Turn with me to Genesis 13. Genesis 13. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Now, David wasn't perfect. He committed adultery. He committed murder. But when Nathan rebuked him of his sin, he prayed this prayer. God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Uh, Abraham wasn't a perfect man. Uh, we, we talked about how he had lied about Sarah being his sister. And yet God used Abraham when Abraham got his heart right with God. You know, you and I need to have our hearts right with God. Uh, for several reasons. If, if you don't know Christ, you need to have your heart right with God because uh, without Christ, you stand condemned under God's judgment. Uh, and so the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so God sent his son to take your sin upon himself and to pay the price for that sin so that you could have a relationship with God. And you need to get right by repenting of your sin and putting your trust in Jesus. And we'll give you a, an opportunity to do that in a few moments. Uh, but if you're a child of God, you also need to have your heart right with God. And the heart is one of those things that's is probably the most difficult things to deal with because outward behavior can be changed sometimes through, through willpower and, um, and so forth. But the inward attitudes of the heart are pretty stubborn sometimes. Only God can truly help us change what is wrong in our hearts. And so I'm glad that the Bible says that God can take a heart of stone out and replace it with a heart of flesh. Uh, that God can write his law upon our hearts so that we can be refreshed and renewed to serve him. Uh, Abraham has gone through a time of unbelief in his life. He had fled down to Egypt and uh, he, had, he had lied about Sarah and uh, God had uh, disciplined him a little bit. Pharaoh threw them out of Egypt. But Abraham is now doing something good. He's returning to the place where God had told him to go. Uh, he is returning to his life of obedience and trust in God. And he's getting his heart right with God. Uh, we need to get our hearts right with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. The title of my message is The Heart That God Blesses. Look with me at Genesis 13, 1. Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, he, his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. He went by stages from the Negev to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and I where his tent had formerly been, to the site where he had built the altar, and Abraham called on the name of the Lord there. Now Lot, who was traveling with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land was unable to support them as long as they stayed together. For they had so many possessions that they could not stay together. And there was quarreling between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were living in the land. So Abram said to Lot, please, let's not have this quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, since we are relatives or men, brothers we are. Isn't the whole land before you? Separate from me. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. 
Lot looked out and saw the entire plain of the Jordan as far as Zoar was well watered everywhere like the Lord's garden and the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose the entire plain of the Jordan for himself. Then Lot journeyed eastward and they separated from each other. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, but Lot lived in the cities on the plain and set up his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were evil, sinning immensely against the Lord. After Lot had separated from him, the Lord said to Abram, Look from the place where you are. Look north and south, east and west. For I will give you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So that if anyone could count the dust of the earth, then your offspring could be counted. Get up and walk around through the land, through its length and width, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and went to live near the oaks at Mamre, near Hebron, where he built an ark, uh, an altar to the Lord. The heart that God blesses. What kind of heart does God bless? Well, first thing I want you to see here is that God blesses an obedient heart. God had told Abraham, Abram, I want you to go to a land that I will show you. And Abraham had begun with obedience, but he got sidetracked somewhere along the way. And when the famine came, he forgot to call upon God and instead chose to go to Egypt. But I'm so glad that God gives second chances. Uh, And Abram, after his bad experience, decides I'm going to go back. To where I was before. There's actually several times here in these few verses in the beginning of chapter 13 where it says he went there, he went there, he went there. This specific place where God had told him to go. He was restoring obedience in his life. Uh, The Bible says, as a child of God, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Uh, It also says that God would give us the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to live the obedient life that God has called us to live. Uh, I mentioned David earlier. David had some failures in his life, but uh, God restored his life. And you read the last chapters of the Psalms, and you see this overwhelming theme of praise to God. He just can't praise God enough. He's he's lifting his hands. He's rejoicing in his elder, elder years Uh, He is full of the joy of the Lord. What what had happened in his life? He had repented and he'd gone back to the path of obedience. I want you to know that if you're outside the path of obedience to God, that God will show you mercy today. Um, I love what Jesus said, the man who beat his breast. He said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said he went home justified. If you're willing to confess your sin before God, Uh, and and you're willing to ask for God's mercy and simple trust, God will save your soul, and he'll forgive your sin. Uh, But obedience is important. Why? Because obedience lines us up with God's design for our lives. God's got a design for the way this world's supposed to work. God's got a design for the way the church is supposed to work. God's got a design for the way you're supposed to live your specific life. He's created you for his purpose. And as you live in obedience, you line yourself up with the purpose of God, and God is able to bring his blessing to your life. Um, Blessing that comes through obedience uh, will always come to the children of God. 
when we obey Him. Uh, the Bible says that God blesses sometimes immediately. Uh, he blessed Abraham with great gold and silver and all these things. Well, God may not bless you with gold and silver right away. Sometimes there may be a delayed blessing, as in Job's case, where God blessed him twice as much later on. Other times, God may bless you when you get to heaven. That's the best kind of blessing, because the Bible says that if you suffer for the Lord now, Jesus said, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. As you obey God, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You can never outgive God. As you obey Him, as you live for Him, He'll reward you. And so an obedient heart, so, so important. You say, I thought we were saved by faith and not by works. Yes, we're saved by faith. But can I tell you something? You live in the fullness of the abundant life through obedience. Obedience lines you up with God. Jesus said, those who obey me, I will manifest myself to them. So if you want to live the abundant life, you've got to live an obedient life. Um, so an obedient heart is, is the first thing that God blesses. Secondly, a worshiping heart. Now one of the things that you notice about Abram's life, as he leaves the land of Ur of the Chaldees and comes to the promised land, he's, he's building altars. He's building altars. Then you see he goes down to Egypt and you hear nothing about an altar. Then he comes back to the promised land and again there's, he's building altars. An altar was a, a symbol of the worship of God. The burnt offering was one of the most frequently offered offerings and it was a fully consumed sacrifice. It was burned. It would go up to God and the smoke was a sweet smelling savor to the Lord. Uh, and so the altar was a picture of worship, the wholehearted worship of God. Uh, sometimes the church has traditionally been divided into two different sections. Then there's the section that is real mind-oriented. They are concerned about theology. They like to think and they like to, to talk about the different aspects of theology. And then there's people who don't really care a whole lot about theology, but they just love the Lord and they just are, are about emotion. They get excited about the Lord. And sometimes those who get excited about the Lord say, what are these old dead Christians who all they do is want to sit around and think. And then the, you've got the, the thinkers who are over there. Well, these people, all they care about is emotion. There's no substance. Can I tell you something? Both the mind and the heart are important to God. And God intends both to be uh, included together in our worship. And can I tell you something? As I've studied and I've grown in my understanding of the truths of God's word, my worship has been enriched. And I have learned new truths, new things about God for which to worship Him. And so don't let theology be a dry, dusty study for you. Let it be something that's living. And when you learn something about God, worship God for it. Uh, when you uh, discover something that God has done for you, thank Him for it. Uh, respond to these things. And I, I never will forget when I, years ago when I was preaching the series on redemption and what God did through Jesus Christ. And many times in my study, the, the tears would begin to flow as I realized what Jesus had done for me at the cross. Uh, I don't think I've ever been the same since I did that study because it opened my eyes up to new truths about what Jesus had done for me. And the more you learn about the truths of God's Word, the more your heart ought to be filled with joy and worship for the Lord. By the way, if you study the Word of God, the more you learn, the more you'll realize you're undeserving of the grace that God gives. 
Somebody once said, the closer to the light you get, the more dirt you see. Um, but uh, that even that can cause your worship to be greater because when you realize the depths of your sin, you can realize the magnitude of God's grace. Uh, where sin abounded, there to grace much more abound. And so, uh, praise God. Uh, what is worshiping heart? A worshiping heart is a heart that delights in God. It's a heart that wants to tell God how great he is, to talk about his attributes. Lord, I thank you that you are wise. Lord, I praise you that you are faithful. Lord, I praise you that you have all power and all knowledge. I praise you that you are always with me. Uh, these are things that we learn about God. We praise him for it. Worshiping heart is also a thankful heart. Scripture says that in everything we're to give thanks. And so our lives need to be marked by this attitude of a worshiping heart. The Israelites in the wilderness, what do they do? Grumble, 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 grumble. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, you know, why is God allowing this in my life? And Grumble, grumble, grumble. The Christian life ought to be the opposite of that. We ought to be thanking God for the good things that he's done. And as we do... God will bless a worshiping heart. And by the way, that's one of the keys to walking in God's peace is a thankful heart. So a worshiping heart. Abram is building these altars over and over again. He has a heart of worship towards God. By the way, nothing will draw you closer to God than worship. As you praise God's name and as you thank him for the good things that he's done, there's something about it. As the psalmist said, we enter in to his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Uh, there's something about worship that draws us near to the heart of God. So make sure you cultivate a worshiping heart. Uh, if, you're, if you're trying to learn about that, go to the Psalms. Uh, use some of the Psalms that uh, talk about God's greatness and, and pray the Psalms to God. And as you do, you'll learn the different aspects of how to worship, praise, and thank God. So the heart that God's blesses, first of all, is an obedient heart. Second, it's a worshiping heart. Thirdly, it's a dependent heart. Verse 4 says, Abraham called on the name of the Lord there. You see, he had forgotten to call on the name of the Lord when the famine came before. And you don't hear him calling on the name of the Lord any time during the time he was in Egypt. But now that he has gone back to the place of obedience... He is calling on the name of the Lord, and he is recognizing his dependence upon God. God took care of him, even in his disobedience. Aren't you glad that God cares for us, even as disobedient children sometimes? Uh, but Abraham learned dependence upon the Lord. He's calling on the name of the Lord. You see that in chapter 12, the beginning, when he's first gone to the promised land. You see that here. Uh, and when he got his heart right with God, his heart began to be dependent upon God. Sometimes we talk about being independent. I'm a self-made man. Uh, well, there are no self-made men. Uh, God in his grace and his goodness gave you the resources and the people in your life uh, to help you become the person that you are. You need to thank and praise his name for that and recognize that in a moment it could all be taken away. Uh, we need to have a dependent heart upon the Lord and to call upon his name. 
Prayer is so important in the Christian life. I'm convinced that there's nothing that we can do without God. Jesus even said that. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So a dependent heart is important. If you have a heart of pride, if you say, you know, I can live this Christian life myself. I can do things. Listen, everybody else ought to be like me. If that's your attitude, I want to tell you something. You're headed for a fall, and you're headed for the discipline of God. You need to have a humble, dependent heart. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, first of all, just quote what God says. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, and then say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, a dependent heart. You ought to pray about your spiritual life. You ought to pray about your work. You ought to pray about your family. You ought to pray about this church and what God wants to do in this church. You ought to pray about your ministry uh, for God. Every facet of your life can be brought before the throne of God in prayer. That's what it means to have a dependent heart. You know, um, I can remember listening to a lot of programs, and nothing wrong with these things, and, and you can learn things from, from uh, uh, programs and conferences and so forth. But I remember hearing, okay, these are the five steps to raising kids, or these are the four steps to a good marriage, or all of those things. Nothing wrong with those things, but I'm going to tell you something. You need to have a dependent heart upon the Lord. God knows what your marriage needs. God knows what your kids need. And if you will bring those problems to God in prayer and you will have open ears to hear what God would have to say to you through his word, but also through his Holy Spirit's leadership in your heart, God will parent through you. God will be a spouse through you and help you navigate the difficulties of life. This attitude of dependence. Abraham, you see this dependence in Abraham's life. God speaks, Abraham follows. God speaks, Abraham obeys. You see it in Moses' life. God says, get up. You know, He says, when you see the cloud lift up, then break camp and start following the, the Shekinah glory cloud. Uh, when the, the cloud settles, then make camp. And so they were just living this attitude of dependence upon God. Whenever Moses had a problem, what did he do? He took it to God. He, he brought it before the throne of God in prayer. So you need to cultivate this dependent heart. Uh, one, one way to do that is through a daily, personal, quiet time. You need, a, you need prayer more than daily. But a daily, quiet time can begin to develop that habit in your life. And what it does is it gives you a time where you can kind of say, Okay, God, I've got these things going on in my life. I'm struggling in my life. Uh, I need you to speak into my life, and I need you to help me with this and that. And God delights to help us when we come to him. Jesus compared the father's heart to an earthly father's heart. He said, if you ask for bread, we'll give him a stone. Uh, God delights to answer the prayers of his children. So bring these prayers regularly to God and invite God into the situations of your life. So the heart that God blesses, <coughs> the heart that God blesses, an obedient heart, a worshiping heart, a dependent heart, a peacemaking heart. Look at verse 8. Abraham and Lot had a lot of possessions. It was causing some trouble. So what does Abraham do? He goes to Lot. He says, please, let's not have quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen since we're relatives, literally since we're brothers. 
Isn't the whole land before you? Separate from me. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. So, Abraham is a peacemaker. He is taking steps to make peace. The scriptural word for peace is the word shalom, and it means more than just peace with God or the peace of God. It speaks about a well-being in every facet of life. And Abraham is seeking to have this well-being in his relationship with Lot. So he goes to him. That's what the scripture tells us to do. If you've offended your brother, to go and make it right. Or if you've been offended, to go to that person and make it right. You know what I've found? I have blown it many times over the years. I have found that if you go with a humble spirit, with a soft-spoken, I was wrong, would you please forgive me? Most people will forgive you. Now, there are a few hard heads. There are some that won't. But listen, if you go and you try to make that relationship right, God will honor that. God will bless you for it. Um, By the same token, I've seen when you go to someone to make a relationship, maybe they've offended you, and you go to them to make it right. If you go with a humble spirit rather than accusatory spirit, Stance and say, hey, um, I'm hurt. I, I, I just am grieved and, and, and I'm struggling uh, because of this conversation or because of what was done here. And you begin and you focus on how it's affecting you. Most people, first of all, don't even know that they've offended you. And so it's a revelation to them. But then they have the opportunity to then say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I hurt you. And there's an opportunity to mend that relationship. A peacemaking heart is important to God. You know why I know that's true? Because God sent Jesus to be a peacemaker. The Bible says that we were God's enemies, but God sent Jesus so that we wouldn't have to perish. So that our relationship could be reconciled to God. A peacemaking heart is important. Now, Jesus said, if you won't forgive your brother's trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive yours. And so, Jesus says it's not just a matter of preference, it's a matter of obedience. And if we are unwilling to take the steps to restore a relationship that is broken, we're sinning against God, we're robbing ourselves of the abundant life, and we will be under the discipline of God. Uh, This is what his word teaches. And so, uh, those are pretty sobering words. Neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. I don't know about you, but I need God's forgiveness every day, multiple times a day. Uh, I don't want to be in the place where... God is is, uh, disciplining me and uh, chastening me for sin and uh, I can't move on from it because I'm unwilling to have a heart of forgiveness and to try to restore a relationship. By the way, did you know what, what happens when you hold a grudge against somebody else? Usually it doesn't hurt the other person, it hurts you. Uh, studies have even been shown that uh, physical sickness can come and 
Um, but all, oftentimes, too, um, the, the problems that come are problems that, that are spiritual problems. Uh, I've seen those who are bitter and angry in churches that I've pastored over the years uh, who, who are bitter at other people in the church or bitter at the pastor or whatever it might be. And, uh, and they have been bitter consistently over the course of their life. And you know what I've generally found? Their kids want nothing to do with God. I had one, one uh, deacon at a former church I pastored. Who, I won't get into the specifics of, of, his, of his life, but he had asked me to go talk to his daughter. And, and I'd, I'd gone, and she said, well, it's not a good time for us to talk. Would you come back at another time? And so finally I came back, and, and she just leveled with me, and she said, look... She said, I have no interest in coming to your church. She said, I, I, I just have no interest in it. No interest in the things of God. And it just, it just grieved my heart. I thought, here's a man, his whole life he's, he's been trying to serve God, and yet because of his bitter, angry heart, his children want nothing to do with God. What a, what a tragedy. Uh, a peacemaking heart is the kind of heart that God blesses. If you want the blessing of God on your life, be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. So, an obedient heart, a worshiping heart, a dependent heart, a peacemaking heart, and finally a trusting heart. I love Abram's attitude here. He says, uh, Lot, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And what does Lot do? He lifts his eyes up. He says, boy, <laughs> whew, Sodom and, and the land around Sodom, what a beautiful place. It's like Egypt. I mean, it is gorgeous. It's well watered. The best land, the best agriculture, all of these things, all of these things that are the best things are here. And he chooses this land for himself. And they separate from one another. Look at verse 11. So Lot chose the entire plain of the Jordan for himself. Now, Abraham trusted God with it. Sometimes uh, we lose something to someone else. We think, you know, I'm going to be angry or something. No, Abraham's trusting God. Lot chose the best part for himself, or so he thought. But then God says to Abraham, Abraham. Take a look, north to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. Uh, every direction you look, I'm going to give this land to you. Guess what that included? The area around Sodom. You see, Abraham was able to hold things loosely in his life because his trust was not in where he lived or how much money he had. His trust was in God. And when you have this attitude of dependence and trust in God and you're willing to put God and and your relationships with other people above your own self-interest, God will bless you for it. And so he says says, uh, to Abraham, um, look, verse 14, look from the place where you look. Look north, south, east, and west, for I will give you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So if anyone could count the dust of the earth, your offspring could be counted. Get up 
and walk around in the land to its length and width, for I will give it to you. Sometimes we spend so much time getting for ourselves, we forget that God can give something to us. And can I tell you something? If God gives you something, nothing and no one can take it away. God gave it to Abraham. Listen, trust God with your resources. Trust God uh, with your situation in life, with your work situation, with your family situation. God is big enough to handle what you face. Uh, There's nothing too hard for God. The heart that God blesses, an obedient heart, a worshiping heart, a dependent heart, a peacemaking heart, and a trusting heart. What about you? Is your heart right with God? Are you walking with him? Are you submitted to his leadership? Are you ready to be a peacemaker? Are you trusting him with the difficulties of your life? If not, now's the time to start. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, that first step of trust is a step of recognizing what Jesus has done for you at the cross and dying for your sin and being raised again and saying, Lord, I'm willing to surrender to you, to follow you, and to receive your salvation in simple trust. And if you're ready to do that, I'm going to give you an opportunity here in just a moment as we begin to sing. I'll be standing here at the front. If you'd like to come down, uh, I'd love to pray a prayer of of surrender and trust in Jesus Christ uh, with you. Uh, By the way, you don't need to walk an aisle to do that. You don't even need a preacher to do that. You can repent of your sin and trust in Jesus wherever you are. You don't even need a church. You can be outside the church, okay? I'm not telling you not to come to church. You need to come to church. But you don't need a church to be saved. You just need Jesus. Um, But if you'd like help, a lot of people like help. And uh, praying this prayer of commitment, of surrender and trust in Jesus, I'd be delighted to help you with that. I'm just going to ask you in a moment as we begin to sing to step out of your pew and walk down the aisle here to the front while I'm standing here at the front. Um, And we'll do that. Uh, If you're here and you know Jesus and your heart is not right with God, I'm just going to ask you to come to this altar and confess that to God. Say, Lord, my heart is not right. Um, I've sinned against you. Um, Change my heart. Pray that prayer that David prayed. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would uh, help us to have hearts that are right with you. God, help there to be nothing standing in the way between us and you and the full experience of your blessing.